1: Sure, so just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com, or you can click the uh, link in the show notes to get started today.
0: Thanks again. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. You're
2: listening to episode number 39, The Mystery of Heaven, part
0: 5. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? Are you ready to take the red pill? And now, here are your hosts, Scott and Zena. Hello and welcome once again to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm here with Zena.
2: Hi guys.
0: And we are going to talk about the things in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know. Ready for the red pill?
2: I am ready for that red pill.
0: So we've been talking about heaven. We have. And this will be part five. Um, I hope we finish, but... Nobody will be offended if we do a part six. No. I hope not. I don't think so. <laughs> so we're going to continue because we kind of left off talking about the intermediate heaven. We kind of discussed Abraham's bosom and we discussed the third heaven. Mm-hmm. Saints or the righteous are going to be in both places, but they're temporary. They're not where we're staying forever. Yeah. And so in that location, either one, either one where the righteous could be. Sometimes the question comes up about, are we aware? Are we awake? Are we cognizant of what's going around?
2: Yes, because I will say with Jehovah Witnesses, they teach that your spirit is wondering unconsciously.
0: Mm, interesting. And some even teach something referred to as soul sleep. Have you ever heard of that soul sleep? I have not. Okay. And I don't know if it comes from that group or not, but I know that there were some that believe that when the Bible talks about you're asleep in Christ, which we addressed last week, uh, that it's a euphemism for death, but they mean it literally. They think it as, no, your soul, your spirit go to sleep. Like Paul has been asleep in his decaying body for 2000 years.
2: Oh, he's probably just like dust now. <laughs>
0: He would be. He would literally be nothing left, you know, just completely decomposed. Yeah. So there, I don't find anything comforting about the thought of being asleep in a grave.
2: No, because i But I mean, personally, and for me, death is so scary. Like the thought of it, <laughs> I'm just like, what do, you know, what do we do? Like, you know, it's, I've never done it before. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, when we die, like, where do we go? Right. Because like I said, with um the way that I was raised, I was re- raised Jehovah Witness You know, they were taught that your soul wanders unconsciously. So I'm just thinking there's lots of souls around me just wandering unconsciously, walking into walls or flying through. Who knows? See,
0: that's a scary thought because then it kind of makes you believe in ghosts.
2: Yeah, and it makes me not want to die. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Well, fortunately, the Bible sheds some light on that mystery because we're going to find out that we're going to see some individuals in the scriptures that are actually dead or asleep, but very much cognizant, very much talking, moving around, acting, you know, whatever. Now, the bodies aren't.
2: Okay, (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, the bodies are dead, so they're not zombies, right? You know? okay. In fact, in the book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to read, uh, and that word, that book is an Old Testament book that literally means the preacher. Ecclesiastes is the preacher, right? And But it was written by King David's son, Solomon. So Solomon wrote this book, and it's all about worldly wisdom. You know, it's really good. But in verse 7 of chapter 12, it says, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was you've ever been to a funeral, maybe where they say ashes to ashes, dust to dust, or seen one on TV, maybe? Yeah. They're kind of referring to that, like, you know, we return to the dust because, you know, God made Adam from the dirt, right? Yeah. So then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So you can rest better knowing that when when a person dies, they go back to be the, with the Lord. The spirit goes to be with the Lord. Okay. It doesn't wander around looking for some place, you know? Yeah.
2: I was just like, well, how how could our souls wander unconsciously? And yeah. then, you know, like they had explained, well... Because there's no brain, there's yeah. no this. So you're, and I'm like, so are we just wandering in like graveyards? Unconscious? Am I just like <laughs> hanging out at my house? I like, had
0: never heard that doctrine. Yeah, from, from that group. Yeah, I've never heard of Jehovah's Witnesses teaching on that. And what's really interesting is. In reality, what we, we don't know with 100% certainty, but we do believe, and we talked about this a little bit when we discussed the giants and the Nephilim, that we think that when those giants were killed in the flood of Noah, their disembodied spirits became demons. So there would be nothing good about a person's spirit wandering around aimlessly disembodied. Yeah. That would make them a demon. I
2: don't want to be a demon. Yeah, I don't want to be a demon either. <laughs>
0: I know too many people that probably are demons, oh <laughs> and they're goodness. very much alive, Right, <laughs> and we usually vote for them. So, uh, <laughs> so Philippians, Paul writes in chapter one, gives us some more insight into this when he says, for I am in a strait betwixt two. Now, those are some old words we don't use anymore. Yeah,
2: I'm like, what did you just say?
0: <laughs> Betwixt is between. Okay. Okay. So, and a straight is like a narrow place. Okay. So that's his way of saying, okay. I'm between a rock and a hard place, right? And here, here's the two choices. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better, means he was ready to die. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh, stay here alive, is more needful for you. You know, he's saying, I'm still not done with the work God wants me to do. So I want to serve him, and I want to. Help I love you, and I want you to know the truth that he's giving me. But I'd much rather be gone out of this old aching body and be back with the Lord. Yes, very true. So the another indication that if he were to depart, he would be with Christ. Mm-hmm. The spirit returns to the Lord. No indeterminate amount of time is there indicating he's going to sleep for a thousand years. No, nothing is indicating that he's going to wander around without a brain. I
2: know. <laughs>
0: He's, the impression is, I want to get out of this body because the minute I'm gone, I'll be with the Lord. Yes. That's what he wants, right? And he also said as much in 2 Corinthians 5, and we kind of glanced on this last week, but we're going to read, focus on another section of it in verse 8 when he said, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And it's almost the same idea. I want to be absent from the body because I will then be present with the Lord. There's no amount of time you can insert in there. He didn't say to be absent from the body for about a thousand years and then be present with the Lord. Mm -hmm. He didn't write that. So there's no indication that there's any amount of time. We die, sleep, we go to be with the Lord. Wherever he is, we'll be there. You know, If we're the dead in Christ right now before the rapture, our body may be in a grave and it's said to be asleep. But we are with the Lord and very much aware, I think, because why would he not want you to enjoy his beautiful throne room? Right? It's that city, right? So, if you're going to be living in it anyway, why not get a grand tour while you're waiting? Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: I do have a question. So, you know, once we've passed away and we're up with the Lord, can we still look down at earth
0: and see our loved ones? That is such a great question. And I've tried to find an answer for that in the Bible. And I don't know that we will, but I can't say that we won't. Okay. Because I know that when John wrote the book of Revelation, he was called up into heaven and he went through a door. And and he opens the letter, writing all the things that he sees in there. There's God, there's Jesus, there's the angels, there's the elders, the Mm -hmm. four cherubs, you know we're talking about, and all those kind of things. And then at some point, he writes about some things that are happening on the earth, and it doesn't indicate that they carried him back down. So he sees the servants of God being sealed in their foreheads, 144,000. And then after they're sealed, when he looks back up to heaven, we're there. As though while he was looking down, we went up in the rapture, you know? Yeah. So to me, it's very possible that there's a way that we can look down and see what's in the earth. It could just be exclusive to John because he was the prophet that wrote the revelation. But why not... He was looking through the window that we can all see.
2: Yeah, like, I want to look through that window. <laughs> and I suspect
0: it's a dimensional thing, but it doesn't matter. I, I, I'll let God work out the logistics. Yes. You know? But if we're allowed to see our loved ones, and I don't know if we're going to be seeing all that they go through and things like that, but I would imagine we're going to be seeing events because we're coming back with them anyway to the earth in that, uh, vengeance yeah. and for Him to be glorified in us, so why wouldn't we be aware of what's going on? Yeah, And we're going to see some verses that give us an indication that we will be aware of time at the very least. Mm-hmm. And I'll show you what I mean here in a minute, but go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12 is where Paul literally went up to the third heaven momentarily. And I say momentarily, I don't know how long he was there. But it was probably uh, because he was actually at one point in his life stoned and left for dead. They wanted him dead. They stoned him, which means they threw rocks at him till he died. no! And then uh, the next verse says he got up and he went into the next city. So, you know, they thought they killed him and they probably believed he was dead. I think he did die. But came back because the Lord showed him something in heaven and said, Paul, you're not done. You got to go back.
2: (laughs) He's like, man, I just got stoned. Are you
0: serious? Oh, I got to go back in that aching body. (laughs) But I think what happened was what he saw was God in his throne room. And the glory was so amazing to him that he was happy to go back to tell us about it. Okay. So we could have the same hope, you know. So he writes in verse one of 2 Corinthians 12, it is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. In other words, it's not, it makes no sense for me to brag in anything that I have because I'm nothing. He says, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body, I cannot tell God knoweth such an one caught up. To the third heaven. The same word we read last week in that rapture Mm -hmm. caught up. So he's saying, I knew a man in Christ 14 years ago. So the timing matches when he was stoned and left for dead. But when he says, I knew a man, he doesn't give a name or anything. So I believe he's talking about himself and seeing himself lifted out of his body in death, experiencing the rapture, if Mm -hmm. you will, or in a type and, and looking at himself and going, who is that man? Oh, right. it's me. Because <laughs> he's going to have a body. Yeah. But he, he couldn't tell whether it was in the body or out of the body. And then he says, I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Funny he mentions that twice, right? How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. So he refers to the place as the third heaven, Mm -hmm. and he refers to it as paradise. So just as the thief on the cross went down into paradise in Abraham's bosom, Paul went up into paradise, which was the third heaven. And so he experienced, I believe in type, something like the rapture so that he could write about it for us to see. Okay. And the point being, if he went up, it's like he died. I believe he died and left his body and he was immediately with the Lord. So every scripture indicates that there's no time. In that involved in that. We die, we go to be with the Lord. And then um, we're going to have a body at some point, we're going to get to that here in a little bit, that we're going to wear forever, the house that we're looking for, right? Mm-hmm. So in Luke chapter 23, going back to, still in the New Testament here, Luke 23 and verse 42, Christ had been crucified, was buried and rose again the third day. So now he has his resurrection body. He's the first one that was ever resurrected from the dead in a glorified body. So he's the first. And the 12, minus Judas now, because he he's the one that betrayed Christ and he's gone. They're all gathered together in a room. And they're, of course, distraught and they're sad because they thought he was their Messiah. So they think they failed, mm-hmm. right? They think it's all hope is lost. And it said... Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I got ahead of myself. I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> uh, I need to back up to the thief on the cross. That man, when he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom, when thou comest. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So that was Abraham's bosom because he died that day to go into paradise. And then the man went with him. Paul, on the other hand, went up to heaven because Christ has already ascended up to heaven. So that's where people go now. But there's another man who died and Jesus tells the story while he's still alive about this man. And as there's actually two of them, it's in Luke chapter 16. So I got ahead of myself. (laughs) (laughs) So Luke 16 and notice in verse 22, there's a rich man and we're going to cut to the chase. And he has a poor man that lays at his gate in front of his house. He's full of sores. He's destitute, has no food, whatever. He's just like homeless, whatever you want to call that. And every day the dogs come and lick his sores. You know, he's that bad off. The rich man probably walks over him every time he leaves his house and doesn't care. So he's got all the money in the world. It says he fared sumptuously every day, which means he lived high on the hog, right? Every day and never cared about that poor guy. So it came to pass in verse 22 that the beggar died. And watch this, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. What a picture of comfort. After all that suffering, he dies, but angels carried his spirit and soul in a, in a spiritual kind of body, you know, mm-hmm. container, into Abraham's bosom, into paradise, where Christ went, right? Wow. All right? And it's called Abraham's bosom because Abraham's there with other righteous men and women, saints from old time. And so the next verse says, the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. So nobody carried him anywhere. No. He just dies and wakes up and, ah, he's in flames. Yeah. And one day, since we're doing the series on the mystery of heaven, we're probably going to do a series on the mystery of hell. Ooh. And we're going to talk about the process that a body goes through when it actually goes into hell. It will scare you out of next week's growth. Oh, no.
2: no, no, no. <laughs> that,
0: that might be the week Zena's absent from the podcast. <laughs> I decided not to come. <laughs> so here he is in hell, and it says, He lift up his eyes, being in torments, and he seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus, the poor man, in his bosom, meaning the, the place where they are. The bosom, not, he's not inside his chest, <laughs> he's in the paradise, right? Mm-hmm. So here's the first thing I know. People in hell are conscious and awake and aware. And they can see and they can hear. And Abraham is over there and he sees him. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. So hell has flames. It's hot there's fire and he's in fire and he's burning. And can you imagine if you ever mowed the grass on a hot day and come inside, would a drop of water on the tip of a finger give you any relief for your thirst? Not a bit. It would give him relief. That's how bad it is. Even a tiny drop of water on the tip of a finger would be relief to a person in hell. Wow. That is a scale of, <laughs> you know, to Let's measure. me
2: know I don't want to be there.
0: You don't want to be there. So he cries, he feels, he feels pain, he feels anguish, whatever. I'm tormented in this flame, verse 25. But Abraham said, son, remember that in thy, li- in thy lifetime, thou receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And the other thing to take from this is Abraham is talking to him. He's in paradise. Yeah. So he's conscious and he's aware and he can see and hear. Yeah.
2: How are they communicating though?
0: Well, they're talking to each other. But there's, as you, when you read on, you'll find out that here's hell, here's paradise. And in between them is a great gulf. Oh, okay. A big body, it's called a gulf, fixed. So one can't go to the other side, but they can see and hear. So I don't know if it's like a spiritual thing. Like, you know, you could picture... You know, I say, when I hear Gulf, I think the Gulf of Mexico, because yeah. I, I grew up, you know, on the Gulf of Mexico, but it's not, it could be the bottomless pit and it probably is. Okay. But it might not be more than a hundred yards across. Now, I mean, it would be hard, but you could yell a hundred yards and somebody would hear you. Mm-hmm. you know? So it could be shorter than that, but either way, they're talking to each other and they see each other. Mm-hmm. You could definitely throw a football 100 yards, (laughs) Not me. (laughs) You're right, not me either, but Drew Brees could, or Tom Brady could, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Or some pass close to that and finish the last few yards to make the touchdown, right? Uh, But the point being that, you know, you can communicate. Mm -hmm. So they see each other, they talk to each other, and they're not the only ones. There's another example in the book of Revelation, chapter 6. And in this book... It appears to be some saints that go through the time of tribulation, the seven years, and they get killed by the Antichrist. They actually become martyrs for Jesus, okay?
2: What's a martyr?
0: A martyr is somebody that died for their faith. Okay. So when you're killed because of your faith in Christ, you become a martyr. Okay. Right. And, and uh, I think it's, what's really interesting is that comes from the Greek word martus, martus right? And when Jesus Christ said... Um, to the twelve, you shall be witnesses unto me. The word "witnesses" is the Greek word "martus." Okay, martyrs. You know, you shall be martyrs, and they all did. They all died at some point. They were killed for their testimony. You know, um, so, but in the book of Revelation, there's a seal of the book that's open. It's the fifth seal, and when he when it's opened, it says, "I saw under the altar." the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Now, I'm not 100% clear on where the altar is, but I believe whatever the altar is, you could say it's the cross. Yeah. But under the altar implies in the earth, you know, because if you think of the altar in the actual temple, then that's uh, in the, uh, where, where Jerusalem had the temple originally. And maybe... Um, when the new temple is built in this time, there's an altar placed there, and so you're looking down under the altar inside the earth. But wherever it is, it's probably Abraham's bosom. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast, but I wanna take a moment to remind you of something very important.
1: There are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know.
0: And the world is fast approaching the end game, and we wanna expose the coming deception before time runs out.
1: Freedom of speech is under attack and evil elements within governments and multinational corporations are trying to prevent you from learning the truth. Scott and I are being censored by social media platforms as we speak.
0: This is true, so you can help us use the satanic global elites own tools against them. Subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcasts so the controlled media can't shut us down.
1: We can use our own platforms to help expose them and keep you informed, but to do that, we need your support. Help us to go full-time with Bible Mysteries.
0: Just $7 a month gives you every current episode ad-free without these annoying appeals. You also get full access to our special guest interviews and special events, downloadable show notes, our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter, and access to the community forum where we answer your questions. Just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com to help us stop the assault on Christianity and free speech.
1: And don't forget, you can always donate any amount to support us at utbnow.com. These gifts are tax deductible.
0: Thanks again, and here's the show. So it's probably similar people like Lazarus and Abraham. Mm -hmm. But it says they were slain for the word of God and for the testimony, so they're dead, right? And verse 10 says, and they cried with a loud voice. So they're not asleep, are they?
2: Nope, they're very much awake.
0: They cry with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So they're conscious of time passing and they remember what was done to them. Mm-hmm. We were killed. When are you going to avenge us? You know. And verse 11 says, And white robes were given unto every one of them. They have a body. You can't hang a robe on a ghost. That's true. (laughs) Right? Right? So white robes were given unto them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season. So they're resting until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Meaning there's going to be others that are going to be killed and join you. See? so. Nothing in the scripture points to the fact that we are either a soulless body wandering around aimlessly or that we are asleep in a body somewhere and unaware and unconscious. Everything points to, we've seen examples of people that have died and they're very much able to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> they don't come up out of the earth and haunt you. <laughs> that's, that's totally something else. But they're in their intermediate state somewhere, whether it's paradise in Abraham's bosom or paradise in the third heaven, waiting for the final resurrection or the return of the Lord. Okay. Which for Israel coincides to the same thing. Mm -hmm. So let's take a quick view with the time we have left of the intermediate heaven. Okay. You know, we've seen a little bit of the um, Abraham's bosom. We Mm -hmm. know that it's a place of comfort and rest. We know it's in the earth. We know there's a gulf next to it and then hell is across there Yeah, and they can see things. What a great view. Wow. What a view. And I think <laughs> mostly it's intended for the people in hell to see paradise and what they're okay.
2: you know? going <laughs> I'm like, I don't really want to be looking at hell.
0: Right. You don't want your apartment window facing <laughs> the gulf. <laughs>
2: can I get a different one, please?
0: <laughs> and I suspect that since Abraham is the one that responded to him, you know, that it's it could be that the people in paradise don't see the suffering of those in hell. Mm-hmm. Abraham could, because God gave him a special provision to make that statement to yeah. him. But it, it may not be like... It could have been like there was sort of a, a portal open for him to see it, mm-hmm. and then it closed...
2: Maybe. You know, it could have
0: been something like that, you know, we don't know for sure. But I can't imagine that there's people being comforted in paradise going, Oh, poor Uncle Steve, he's over there burning in hell. Right. You know, you would hate to think that they had that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for all the Steves out there, I didn't even to imply
2: <laughs> You're just sitting in your condo sipping <laughs> your lemonade and poor Uncle Steve's just
0: burning alive. <laughs> you're yeah. screaming how
2: are you doing uncle steve
0: i can't enjoy the view now gosh uncle
2: steve hush <laughs> i'm trying to watch tv
0: <laughs> so what we'll do is let's go up to the third heaven again and let's try to get an idea of what that looks like and that kind of brings us back to what i mentioned earlier about um, john when he wrote from the vantage point of being in heaven it's because he was caught up mm-hmm. and brought up there to write these things and that's where we read in verse one he says after this i looked In chapter four of Revelation, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Well, if there's doors, you know, maybe there's windows too. Yeah. And the first voice, which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So John, who's literally on the earth, goes into a vision, and he's caught up into heaven. And he says, immediately, I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And I'm not that familiar with those stones, but they must be precious stones.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. and Which means I kind of picture almost like a green rainbow. Because to me, I think emerald is green. You
2: yeah. Know.
0: It could be something else, but all these shades of green, you know. <laughs> Or it could have just been the shape of a rainbow, like that curved line, and just this glory of a light that shines with a green emerald kind of tint. It just sounds beautiful, you know? And then he says, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And we don't know who these elders are.
2: No.
0: But by the time John goes up to see this, there's 24 people already in heaven for some reason. And they're called elders. So I suspect they're male for whatever reason. And uh, they have some special provision. They something that they're there for, that they're doing. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So this is God's throne room. And as we describe it and read more, we're finding out that it's literally the the interior of the city, New Jerusalem, where God sits in a throne. He's in that city as we speak right now, you know. Verse six. Now, some of this is going to start to sound familiar. Okay. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass. I even know what that is. Remember that one? Like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Now, these beasts, you asked something about our angels uh, higher than cherubs earlier in, yeah. in another episode. Well, these are the cherubs.
2: That's right. Don't they have four faces?
0: You're right. Exactly right. In fact, that's the next verse. The first, the first beast was like a lion. The second beast like a calf. And the third beast had a face as a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And, and while I think they're just describing one face on each one, I believe they probably all have the four faces, but one is like the prominent face. Okay. So it's like that unique, like, um, you know, you could say you got twins, but maybe she's got her hairstyle one way and she's got her hairstyle differently so that we could tell them apart (laughs) (laughs) something like that. And the four beasts uh, had each of them six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne. In other words, the twenty-four elders throw their crowns down before God and say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So right off the bat, we can see in heaven, in God's throne room, a special royal court. Yeah. You know, crowns on 24 elders, these four beautiful creatures, which seem kind of like monsters in a way, because you think of four faces and all. But I bet they're breathtakingly beautiful, and we just can't imagine it, you know. Yeah. How It's described. Do you
2: think they have like... A face for each side of their head. So like one's a man, one's a lion, you know, like, and it's like, that's what I, that's what I'm imagining. That's what
0: I imagine too. The same thing. And, and that, while that seems like a horrifying creature, yeah. it I bet if we could see it, it would be so astonishingly beautiful. We would just stand in awe of it.
2: You know? Like, wow, I, I wish know. I could look like that.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> so there's something about these things that is truly amazing. And and if you think about it, it's almost like the four faces represent the four aspects of creation. That you've got the the bird kingdom, mm-hmm. the uh the um uh the four-footed beast kingdom, which would be the the um like the did he say it was a calf? Yeah. Yes. And then the 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 predator kingdom, like the lion, mm-hmm. and then man. You know, so it's almost like four oh, wow. aspects of God's creation. Yeah. And, it, and when, we, when we do some studies about numbers, we're going to find that the number four is related to creation. It really is.
2: And is it, is it three? That's com- No, seven.
0: Completion. Seven is completion, yeah. Three is perfection. Okay. And they kind of, some of them cross over a little bit, like seven is, is like a, a divine completion. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, you can have a completion of something that's like 10 is sort of a complete set. You know, and then you start over again with one, but it's 11 added to, 11 is one added to 10. Mm-hmm. But 10 doesn't have any indication it's divinely complete. Okay. Seven is divinely complete. You know, something about seven. And we think, we talked about notes of the scale. Yes. the music, uh, seven colors of the rainbow. And
2: seven days a week. Yes,
0: exactly. Something divine about that. And you say, well, what's divine about a week? Well, seven days, 7,000 years mm-hmm. completes God's prophetic program. Very right? true. So chapter 5, verse 1 continues, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Uh, And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And once again, we get a clue about these locations, no man in heaven, on the earth, under the earth. Well, what's under the earth? You know, are we talking about going outside into space and going south of the South Pole? Yeah. No, he means inside the heart of the earth. And what did we learn is in the earth is hell and Abraham's bosom. Paradise, losing. yeah. Yeah, paradise. So no man was found that could open the seal. So there's three locations where men can be. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? And then uh, he says in verse 4, I wept much, John cried, because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look thereon. And I really think... If you really get down to it, that the book that he's holding with the seals is the book that Daniel was told to write down and seal until the time of the end.
2: Right, and Daniel's like, man, I've got this
0: great (laughs) secret I
2: just want to share with you all.
0: And so God's got the copy, the real true accurate copy (laughs) of it. And he's about to open the seals because verse five says one of the elders, one of those 24, saith unto me, weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And the lion of the tribe of Judah is Christ because he comes from Judah mm-hmm. and he's also of the lineage of David. So he's the root of David. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elder stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Notice the sevens and divine perfection or completion. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. So what we're seeing in heaven in the third heaven so far is we've got uh, God on his throne. We've got those four beasts, the cherubs. We've got who knows how many angels are witnessing all this.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: we've got the 24 elders. John's there. The lamb is there. And uh, he's got this book in his hand. Now, what's interesting is here are the occupants. just kind of went through them. John himself, God on the throne, 24 elders. There's seven spirits that are there, the spirits of God, the four beasts or cherubs, and the lamb. So I count 39 people, not counting any angels that might be watching all this because we don't know they're there yet. Yeah. But what's really funny is then the next thing you see, well, there's a lot of things he describes that happen with the book and only letting the seals open and things like that. But when we, when we skip down to chapter 7, John's attention is directed to the earth. So this gets back to talking about can we look down from heaven and see what's on the earth? Because in verse 1 he says, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. So he's got to be looking down. To see the earth. So we've got 39 occupants that we just listed in heaven, in the third heaven. Yeah. John himself. And he's writing what he sees. He's writing down all this stuff. And then God must have said, okay, now look down. you got something to write there. So after these things, I saw four angels on the four corners of the earth. So now there's four angels down on the earth. Okay. They're holding the four winds of the earth. That the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor any tree. And I saw another angel... Ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So evidently there's four angels prepared to hurt the earth and the trees and the sea during this time of tribulation. And an angel says to them, don't start until we've sealed the servants of God. And verse four says, I heard the number of them which were sealed and there were sealed and 144,000. That's where that number comes from. Okay. And it says they are of all the tribes of the children of Israel. So they're Jews. They can't be anybody else. They're Jews. All right. So now we know he's looking down on the earth. Men are being sealed on the earth. Angels are holding back the wind on the earth. And then in verse nine, it says, after this. I beheld, the same chapter, Revelation 7, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number. Now we can't even give you the number. It's so big. Yeah. And they're of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. So it's everybody from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Every walk of life. They're from, so they're men, they're people, humans. <clears throat> and it says they stood before the throne and before the lamb. Well, where's the throne and the lamb? The third heaven. <clears throat> it's in the third heaven. So where were they a few minutes ago when we listed 39 people? They're on earth. They must have been on earth. How did they get up there? John looks down to the earth. He numbers 144,000. Got that number. That's not a great multitude no man can number. That's a specific (laughs) number, right? Yeah. After he numbers them, he looks back up and it's like, where'd you guys come from?
2: They just ascended up.
0: And you know where they came from? In the rapture. Yeah. It's us. When the rapture happens, we suddenly go up and we're going to be in heaven with the Lord standing before the throne, Mm -hmm. before the Lamb. And it's almost like while John was looking down, this happened. (laughs) So I think it's a picture of that. And it's a beautiful picture because we will go up and we will be with the Lord in the third heaven, in the intermediate heaven. Now, we're only there for a little while because at some point the Lord's going to come back. And the Bible says we're going to come with him mm-hmm. because we have the opportunity to judge him, to, to judge the earth when he returns. So those same list of people that we saw earlier, now we've got a total of a great multitude that's innumerable. Now we can't even number
2: yeah. everybody.
0: Something changed. Something happened. And I do believe what happened was the rapture. We read that last uh, podcast in episode 30, uh, 37, no, 38, 37 last episode <laughs> <laughs> when we talked about being caught up together when the when yes. the archangel shouts mm-hmm. and the That's Trump of god michael shouts the michael shouts i do think it is going to be michael cuz i think he's going to be announcing that he is once again the Prince of Israel, once again, protecting Israel, Mm -hmm. because God's now dealing with Israel again as a people. And he's got to get us out of the way to do that, because what is the main thing that's about to happen on the earth? We kind of read a little bit, a little clue when he said, don't hurt the earth until we seal the servants, but basically the tribulation, right? Yeah, All that's about to start, which is essentially God's wrath on the earth. So why has he not released his wrath until the multitude goes up and is in the third heaven with him.
2: Well, for sure, she has to wait for Israel to admit that they're wrong and ask for forgiveness. That's exactly and right. That's, that's going to take some time.
0: That's exactly right. He's waiting on them to make their confession. And I think it's going to coincide with this event of us going up like mm-hmm. we talked about. But here's the main reason why he can't start the tribulation until we're gone. And it's First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. Paul wrote, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, mm-hmm. we should live together with him. And now you've seen where we're going to live together with him, up in that city, up in his throne room where he is now. So the point being, the wrath of God that is about to be poured out on this earth cannot be poured out until we get taken out of the way. Okay. We're the thing holding it back and because we've been delivered from the wrath to come. So as long as we are still here, God's not pouring wrath out. He's pouring out grace. He's offering salvation freely, and our job is to tell people about it. Okay. And I think that's going to bring us to a close because if we keep going now, we're going to start up, open a whole new can of worms. <laughs> right. So there might just be a part six. I'll take a look and see if we can do that next week. And if not, we'll start a new subject. Because I don't want people to get worn out because that would, that would be six episodes just on the mystery of heaven. But I don't know about you, but I want to know all I can.
2: I do too.
0: About heaven. So thank you all for your patience with that. And we do look forward to seeing you next week.
2: Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, make sure you subscribe, share, uh, tell us something new that you've learned. Are you excited to go to heaven or are you excited to go to hell? Let's hope you're saying heaven and not (laughs) hell, but no judgment here, you know, to each their own. As always, thank you guys so much for uh, for listening in and we'll see you guys next week.
0: Thank you so much. And I think I will tell you that there's definitely going to be a part six. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just went back looking through my notes and I've still got too much to cover to say we're done. <laughs> so we might end up having to do seven because seven is the number of?
2: Completion. <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> so see, we're learning something all the time. <laughs> Thanks again, folks. We'll see you next time.
2: Bye guys. Thank you for listening
0: today. If you like what you heard, Please subscribe to Bible Mysteries and share it with a friend. If you want to learn more, you can go to Unlock the Bible Now. That's utbnow.com.